Dermot, welcome to episode six of the Scrum Dynamics podcast. Great to have you here. Great to be here, Neil. Thanks. Yeah. How are you today? I'm great. Lovely sunny morning here in Sydney. We've got Dynamics 365 Saturday kicking off this weekend. So we've got the boot camp today uh, with some special guest stars. Um, Ulrich Carlson and Ben Vollmer are over from the States. And we've got tons of presenters lined up for the main event tomorrow. So yeah, really Fantastic. exciting. Fantastic. Big day planned in. Yeah, looking forward to that. So we wanted to catch up and talk about um, the development team in mm-hmm. Scrum, right? So do you want to uh, kick us off by describing <coughs> what the development team is? Yeah, well, maybe just a recap on the three roles, again, that are in, in the Scrum team. So we have the product owner, who's responsible for maximizing the value of the product, which resulting from the work of the dev team. Yep. We have the Scrum master, who's responsible for promoting and supporting Scrum, as defined in the Scrum guide. And then you have the dev team. Now, the dev team, they do the work of actually delivering the done product. Ah, so the product owner and the scrum master don't do much work? Well, they do a different type of work. It's more soft skills. (laughs) (laughs) Whereas the hard skills are with the dev team. Uh, Now, the dev team should not be confused with the terms the team or the scrum team. A lot of people get confused with what sort of team is it. So the scrum team, again, is combines the three roles. You have the scrum master, you have the product owner, and then you have the dev team. Yeah, it's slightly confusing that there's two teams in scrum. Exactly. And a lot of people trip up on that. So the dev team are the people who actually do the work. And in what we're talking about here are the, the BAs, the developers, the .NET programmers, the JavaScript guys, the database guys, whoever you need to actually but do the all, work. They're all called developers? Correct. There is no hierarchy of roles in Scrum. Everybody is a developer. But you need to be an actual programmer to be a developer in a Scrum team? It's a really confusing language. Not necessarily. If you are required, uh, a team needs to be cross-functional. Uh, have a full set of cross-functional skills. And what that means is you need all the people required to be able to turn a product backlog item into a done increment of work. So no matter what that skill is, they are called a developer. So it's it's a flat structure. Everyone is a developer in Scrum. So the cross-functional thing intrigues me. I, I've you know tried to build teams that we can deliver all the work that, that is needed. But occasionally, we'll need to go to maybe our client's IT department and ask for a virtual server to be set up or special mm-hmm. permissions to be configured. The classic one is you need the Office 365 global admin to enable and test the mailboxes for server-side sync. Those people aren't in our Scrum team, but I need their skills and contribution to finish my increment. Uh, are they part of the dev team or how do you see that working? No, I wouldn't consider them as part of the dev team, but someone in the dev team would certainly need to take responsibility to coordinate that piece of work, right. to integrate whatever needs to be done by the external IT team. And if there's a problem there, that's maybe the Scrum Master's job to help unblock that. Correct. If if the external resource, i.e. the IT team in this example, is not producing the result or has a problem with the server or whatever, it's the Scrum Master to chase down the block or yeah. the impediment. Yeah. Okay. But the dev team should raise that concern with the Scrum Master. And, and you said that there's lots of different roles or, or people have different experiences when they bring it into the dev team, business analysis, custom development, uh, maybe database performance tuning, that kind of stuff. Uh, do we use those roles in the in the team? To, you know, should we have the, someone with a business analysis background writing most of the product backlog um, items? Generally, that tends to what happens is that the BAs do write the PBIs, but the dev team certainly assists that, and the Scrum Master assists in how to write proper PBIs. Yep. Um, product backlog items uh, should have a structure, in my opinion, user stories. Yep. Uh, uh, sometimes just writing as uh, content in the subject matter. I need to do this full stop is not sufficient. Yeah. Uh, so there's a whole theory around that with definition of done and definition of ready, uh, which we might delve into later on. Mm-hmm. But yes, in generally speaking, it is the BAs 
who write the, the product backlog items, but the dev team and the Scrum Master certainly do assist. Yeah, good, okay. So you, you said it was cross-functional, so they need to have all the skills. You also mentioned like a flat hierarchy, so there's no senior person who's responsible. F- Traditionally, we might have an architect who's responsible <laughs> for the overall design. It makes me nervous if in our, in our dev team, there's nobody who's accountable for the design that we can point to and say, oh, yeah, Dermot's in charge of, of the design of this system. He architected it. Well, w- one of the terms I would like to use with my Scrum teams is that with great power comes great responsibility. I've heard, said it before in another pod- podcast. You'll hear me say it again. I like to impress upon the, the team that when the team accepts the sprint backlog, the responsibility is with the team to deliver the sprint. So yes, you have a, an architecture role, you have a BA role, you have the DBA role, but it's the collective that is responsible and they should keep each other accountable for delivering that sprint. Okay. So everybody owns the design? Correct. Everybody owns the, the final output? Correct. Product increment. Okay. Um, self-organizing is another term that comes up in the, in the Scrum Guide. Does it, it sounds a bit like Animal Farm, right? Where, you know, the, the, <coughs> the pigs are, are running a place and, and everybody's trying to do their own work. In your experience, what does a what does a good self organizing team look like? What are the characteristics that is displaying? Yeah, there is no project manager in Scrum. Team manages their own work. And what we mean by self organizing is that nobody, not even the Scrum master, can tell the dev team how to turn a product backlog item into a done increment of work. It's up to them to do it themselves and to work out how they want to do it. Again, a phrase that I use a lot is freedom within boundaries. Scrum has its ceremonies. Uh, it has a set set of framework on how to run a project and it's up to the dev team and within those boundaries and how to do the done increment. But what if the product owner doesn't want, for example, any uh, wants to minimize the amount of custom code in the solution and would prefer the team find a way of using, uh, you know, configuring the system through a workflow or a, a business process flow rather than custom code? Can the product owner tell the team what to do in that instance? Not what to do. Product owner might have a valid reason for not wanting custom code, i.e. the overhead and the Mm -hmm. legacy of maintaining that custom code. That can be discussed with the team. The team can push back and go, well, yes, we can do it that way. But in our opinion, custom code is more beneficial to delivering value to the customer. And then they could debate that. But ultimately, the decision rests with the dev team on how to turn a product backlog item into a done increment of work. And you mentioned that there's no project manager to assign work to people in, in the dev team. So presumably then, as a collective group of people, they have to figure out what work needs to be done, who's going to do it, and, and they kind of volunteer themselves for, for tasks in, in the sprint backlog? Correct. So the sprint backlog is emergent. So even though the dev team takes the product backlog items in the sprint planning session, and that becomes the sprint backlog, sprint backlog isn't ever complete. It emerges over time. So as you start working on a product backlog item, you might identify some more tasks that need to be done. Yeah. Uh, the team collectively will decide who should do what task. So that's the product owner, again, cannot tell the team how to do it or who should do it. Yeah. The product owner should never be assigning tasks or stories to a dev team member. Yeah, I've seen a few instances where product owners prefer or hint <coughs> that they'd, they'd like a certain team member to take on a story, maybe because they've got particular domain expertise. You know, they know the marketing department really well or they've had a sales background. So they want them to try and work on those marketing stories or the yeah. sales stories. Do you think that's a valid kind of nudge from the point I've seen it being more than a nudge. I've seen it being <laughs> a demand and not just a request from product owners. I want so-and-so to work on this story because he has better domain knowledge. 
that's where the scrum master comes in. A good scrum master will run interference <laughs> and will say, yes, well, it's up to the dev team to decide. Because if you want, for example, Leon to work in this story, well, what if Leon's going to be sick or Leon's going to be on leave? The rest of the team... More likely he's speaking at a conference somewhere. Yes, or giving a lecture. (laughs) But the rest of the team need to be across the work that needs to be done. And it's up to the dev team to decide who should do it. Or if if they do pair programming as well. Maybe two people will do it. The product owner should not be dictating that. Of course, they can voice their request and the dev team can listen to it, but they're not obliged to to follow it. Yeah, I've... um, Part of the cross-functional piece for me is about rotating the people who specialize in different parts of the system so that everybody in the team has got a broad sense of how the portals are configured or how the sales order management process works or how the recruitment process has been configured so that we can have that fungibility so if somebody's working on another story or off or away the, the team isn't blocked from making progress mm. in a particular part of the system. So, so yeah, like certain people might have specialized skills in different areas of focus that their expertise is in, but the accountability for the spin belongs to the whole dev team. And does the same apply to the type of work? So if there's a piece of testing that needs done, maybe the person who's got the, you know, the deepest skills in testing isn't available. Should somebody else pick it up and do it or should we wait? So if, if you have only one tester on the team and your tester, for example, comes in sick or is on leave, absolutely the dev team, everyone's a tester in a scrum team is a developer. Everyone's a developer. So other people can certainly pick it up and should be. Uh, dev team members should be unit testing their own work and they can certainly assist with formal QA as well. Okay. So cross-functional shouldn't be confused with as a developer I need to have every skill required. Yeah. Cross-functional ne- means you have all the people with the requisite skills to deliver the done in the team. Yeah. So we, we do try and encourage people to take on some roles outside their expertise, mm-hmm. but not to the detriment of the, of the quality of the Correct. work. Correct. Yeah. So coming back to this notion of accountability and the team being accountable for work, a couple of questions for you there. What kind of metrics do we measure to figure out how the team is doing, what kind of progress they're making? But also many organizations, ours included, have a you know, quarterly or semi-annual or annual performance <coughs> review. And that's not at a team level, right? That's always at an individual level. Yeah. How can a line manager assess the performance of an individual within a team if all we've got are team-based metrics? Okay, so the, the first point you asked there was about sprint metrics. Hmm. So within the sprint, um, the metrics should really only be for the dev team and by the dev team. Various metrics you can measure, such as velocity and how the capacity is going against the velocity. You have burn-down charts, and then you can just do points against the estimations and see how you're tracking. Only the dev team should be doing this. What I've seen is that at a project level, uh, the product owner or sometimes even the scrum master will want to see the metrics. And then that gets used as a KPI to beat the dev team over the head with. Yeah. Um, so I'd advise against, yes, you can use metrics in the dev team, but I'd advise against bumping them up the food chain. Mm, um, okay. They I, tend to get used as a, as a KPI. Yeah, I, I certainly think the scrum master should see them because mm-hmm. his or her job should be to coach the team. And if, that, if coaching means trying to improve their velocity, then it, it's good to have those metrics. I think the product owner needs to see them as well because if there's a an issue with maybe the quality of the product backlog that's impacting the velocity, then it's the product owner's job to fix that issue. I do agree, though, that they do tend to be used as a KPI. And this team's going faster than that team. Well, mm. the velocity isn't comparable between teams, so that's an unfair KPI. And sometimes product owners are tempted to push the team to go faster than they did last sprint, which, again, is 
unfair as well. Mm. And also be careful uh, sometimes with the product owner when they see the stats, they might go through them and say, if you use Jira to track user stories and go, well, Leon delivered five user stories today and Lachlan only delivered one. Why is that? Yep. Again, it's becoming a metric and a KPI, which I'd advise against. It's really for the dev team to track their progress toward the sprint goal. Remember, the sprint goal is paramount. That's yep. what we're working to achieve here. So coming back to the second part of my question, uh, for the dev team members who are in that Scrum team, from, let's say they're, they're there for six months of the, the year, towards the end of the year, their line manager wants to do a performance review. How can they assess that person's contribution or performance on that Scrum team? They can't. Uh, there is no manager in Scrum. Uh, the dev team need to be able to tr- trust their Scrum master to not be reporting up the food chain on their performance. We're here to do uh, a piece of development work. We're here to get some product backlog items, turn them into a done increment of work, delivering value to the customer. And there needs to be that level of trust. The dev team need to be able to trust the scrum master and the scrum master need to be able to trust the dev team and the product owner. If they're reporting back up to program managers or line managers, then that there's going to be a lack of trust there. So the answer to your question is no, th- there isn't th- the feedback. So, uh, so as a line manager, I've got several people on my team who... I'm not involved in, the, in their Scrum projects, but I want to assess their performance. It's really, it's really tough. So the way that I try and do it is just to coach that person every week. So, you know, try and distance myself from their project, but ask them how they're getting on, what kind of skills they're learning, what kind of feedback they're getting from their team, mm-hmm. what kind of feedback they're getting from or coaching they're getting from their Scrum master, and the interactions they're having with the product owner. And I try and assess it that way. So it's it's coaching the person to try and make sure that they're providing me evidence that they're they're um, evolving their skills and, and uh, improving their performance, kind of a week-over-week week process, but I'm not asking for metrics for, yeah. from within that team. So as, as a line manager, you're asking the individual, how are you progressing, mm. but you're not asking the scrum master or their colleagues, how is this person progressing? No, no. But I do ask the client, typically the product owner, how yeah. our team is doing, yes. and I quite often get it feedback on, on individuals. Right. But um, that's not something I'm seeking uh, out. So you're doing that as a line manager, as a scrum master, uh, I wouldn't be allowed to do that no. because that would be breaching the trust of the dev team. Yep. Um, let's talk about the size of scrum teams or uh, in particular of dev teams. Y- yep. So the team size should be small enough to remain nimble and be able to be agile and get work done, but large enough to complete significant work within a sprint. So typically the scrum guide says no more than nine. I've seen different figures bandied about uh, seven plus or minus two, three to nine. Um, I would definitely advise not going over nine. I've been on dev teams that have been bigger than nine. It ends up being unwieldy and the large development teams generate too much complexity uh, to be any useful. The product owner and scrum master roles are not included in the team size in this count unless they are also executing work in the sprint backlog, yep. which sometimes that the scrum master might do. Yep. So typically you're looking at between three to nine people, but definitely no more than nine. So let me throw a couple of scenarios at you of projects that I've run or been involved in in the past. One was at Guy's Hospital in London. We're working in the medical physics department who maintain all the hospital equipment. It was just me. I was the only developer in the in the, in the team. Can you be a team of one team person? Of one. <laughs> um, I sat opposite the product owner. He was like a senior engineer from the medical physics department. And for the first half of the project, I was it. I was acting as the scrum master and as the developer. And then after probably the first few months, I was joined by Greg Owens, who's a really talented dynamics developer. And Greg and I finished the project together. Is that scrum? 
Can you have a scrum project of one and then two people? No. I would advise that you need at least three people. Um, that's just two people <laughs> having a chat and doing a piece of work. Even if you have all the requisite skills to get the work done? In my opinion, no. Okay. Yeah, you need three plus. What about being too big? So um, I think of a project at American Homes for Rent. We started out with six or seven people. Uh, that grew pretty quick. We were working on a couple <coughs> of different work streams. I think we probably had 10 or even 15 developers at one point. And that usually also means that the product owners got assistance as well. They've got some proxies, some business analysts to help them out, maybe a project manager to do some of the resource and budget management. And the Scrum team ended up looking like 20 or even 30 people. Mm. Um, I think you and I both know that that's too big. How can we handle it when it gets too big? So problems, I've been on similar teams, and the problems I've found with more than nine people, and like you said, the product owner ends up getting proxies. So the team, the bigger team, not just the dev team, is could be 15 to 20 people. Uh, what I've found is that more than nine in the core dev team requires way too much coordination, and there's too much complexity for an empirical process to be useful. So you need to start thinking about should you split the teams? Uh, so there are frameworks and methodologies out there like large-scale Scrum and Safe, Scaled Agile Framework, that you can use to scale the teams up. Yep. So if you start getting into the t- 9 plus 10 people in a dev team, I'd certainly look at splitting the team. I think it's the trouble is that you start as a team, you want to remain as a team, and it, it kind of feels like breaking up a, a good team that's producing good work. Uh, you're a little bit trepidatious or scared even of, of doing that so that can be a tough call and uh, a pretty difficult decision for, for a team to make. Yeah and I've worked with a client who absolutely did not want to split a team of 20 people because of that there was the fear hey but we're still producing we're going well but you do reach the point of diminishing returns yep. adding more people you're not getting the throughput um, but also in Scrum you need to be not afraid of failure. Failure in Scrum is a good thing because you can learn from your failures and inspect and adapt. So by splitting the teams, which we eventually did, uh, we learned quite a lot in that process. And over a couple of sprints, we were back performing better than, than ever. Yeah, good. You mentioned fear of failure there. So I wanted to talk about some of the values that a good dev team has. The, the, the values that are covered in the Scrum Guide, commitment, courage, focus, openness, and, and respect. I, I think these are really important to cover. And they, they should be values of the wider Scrum team. But um, the dev team needs to really embody these because they're they're the, the unit doing the doing all the work. Scrum team says the commitment is being committed to achieving the goals, which also overlaps with focus, which is focusing on the goals of, of the Scrum team as well. But you mentioned courage and it's that ability to to make difficult decisions, to take a measured risk sometimes. Correct. Um, not be af- afraid to um, experiment as well, um, and you're always. Uh, the sprint backlog is emergent and the dev team should not be afraid of, well, investigating, is this a better solution that will deliver better value to the customer? Uh, you don't just follow the Scrum Guide because this is what the Scrum Guide says, or you don't just follow a strict process within your sprint. Inspect and adapt along the way and make changes as need be. Yep, good. Um, I've, another part of the commitment for me is being committed to this project trying not to be distracted by prior projects if there's kind of a support request that comes in. And, you know, it's very hard to be committed to this project if you're working on one or two others at the same time. Mm. That's often not in the developer's control. Um, So that's part of the organizational agility is to understand that mindset of of being able to keep people focused on one piece of work. Um, Openness and respect, I think, are a couple of values that some organizations starting out on the 
kind of agile transformation or adopting Scrum for the first time have a little bit of challenge with because they're maybe not used to operating in an open environment, giving honest and constructive feedback in the moment. Mm-hmm. That can feel a little bit brutal for people. Yep. And sometimes when we get to the retrospective as well, people struggle with that. And uh, like we've mentioned before in a different podcast, a retro can sometimes descend into a blame game. But if you uh, push the values of openness and respect and keep it about the process, keep it at a higher level, that we are here to improve how we deliver done increment. And it's about delivering business value. It's not about the individual, about blaming people. If we keep it at a process level, we can uh, improve the openness and respect. Yeah. And the last one there is about re- respect and believing that everybody's bringing their best game uh, to the team that they're professional and capable and they've got the skills and valuing their contribution. Yeah, so. and, and nobody comes to work to make mistakes and to stuff up. If, yeah. if somebody makes a mistake, we learn from the mistake. Um, we try to keep blame to an absolute minimum. So, Dermot, one of the questions I get asked a lot about the development team is, does every member of that team, every developer, need to sit in every meeting, you know, the Scrum events, and the, the daily Scrum, the sprint planning, the estimating, the print review, the retro. retrospective? Yeah, yeah. Uh, in my opinion, yes, they, they do have to be there. Uh, if you think about it, the stand-up is for the dev team and run by the dev team for themselves, where they discuss what they're going to work on in the next 24 hours to reach the sprint goal. Uh, so absolutely, every dev member needs to be at the stand-up. Yeah, agree with you there. Yeah. Then we have the, the planning and the estimating. So that's where you're planning the sprint where you're selecting product backlog items to be brought into the sprint backlog, and you're doing the estimating of the work that needs to be done. So again, this is the dev team who will be doing this work. The dev team needs to be making the estimates. No one else can do the estimates on behalf of the dev team. So they absolutely have to be at the planning and estimates. Yeah, I agree with you that they should all be there. I've had a couple of developers who don't feel that they have sufficient experience of the process in general, like the estimating process. Mm -hmm. Maybe they're new to the Scrum team. Or they don't feel that they know that particular requirement well enough to estimate. Do you think we should still encourage them to put an estimate in there or sit this one out? Certainly be at the session. Uh, by being at the planning and estimating sessions, if they, if they were not in the grooming session for that particular user story, they're now getting exposure to it, which is a good thing. Mm-hmm. And this, this, the, in the estimating session is where the dev team discussed the work to be done, not an individual so if only one person groomed that story, they should present it back to the team as a collective. Yeah. And it's the collective that should make the estimate. Good. Okay. And then this covers sprint planning. The sprint review, where we're demonstrating the, the finished increment to the product owner mm-hmm. and to the other stakeholders and discussing the product backlog. Does everybody need to be there? Is it a waste of time for all the dev team? Again, in my opinion, everyone should be there. Um, again, we're showing back to the client what has been developed with the done increment. But it's also where we look forward as well and look at what we can do for the next sprint as well. Uh, so everyone needs to be in that room. I've found some people maybe don't have a, a feature that they want to demonstrate, but they're listening to that feedback and they're making a mental note of adjustments they should be making, maybe advice they need to give to the product owner about adjustments to the backlog. Yeah. And that, that advice can be really good when they, when they think about the next you know, stories they're going to work on the yeah. following spring. And I don't think we should underestimate the power of osmosis. Um, that's why one of the reasons Scrum says we should all be co-located. Mm-hmm. Um, there, you can just pick things up by sitting with people. You may not be actively involved in some sessions, but you can pick up a lot just yeah. by being in the room. 
Yeah, okay. And then the final one is the sprint retrospective. Everybody needs to be at that one as well? 100%. The retrospective is where we inspect and adapt the sprint just finished. And we look at what we did, uh, what we could do better, and what actions we can take going forward to improve the process. If someone is absent, their voice isn't going to be heard, and they're also not going to be aware of any improvements that we want to make going forward. So absolutely, everybody should attend the retrospective. And then the final one is, it's not really a Scrum event. Scrum says you should you should refine the backlog from time to time. I formalize that into little story time workshops. Mm -hmm. Generally, don't think all of the development team needs to be there for those. It just uses up too much capacity if we do that. So we maybe just have a couple of people who know that particular part of the product really well or that part of the, the business really well. The danger is, though, that we can be tempted to estimate during those workshops. Mm-hmm. Do you think that's a good idea? Is that a good use of the time? So I mostly work with larger Scrum teams. And like you, I think, yes, we should break it up into smaller workshops. Uh, so what we've done in the teams I've worked with is maybe two developers would sit with a BA to groom a user story. And they might do a high-level estimate themselves. Then when we go to the planning and estimating sessions, that those two developers will present that story back to the rest of the dev team I would maybe have the product owner use that for prioritization purposes, but I wouldn't tell the dev team because then you get into this yes. sense, uh, notion of anchoring their their own their estimate because somebody else has already given an estimate. Anything else, Jeremy, you wanted to cover? No. The dev team, the big thing to remember is that with great power comes great responsibility. It's my, my phrase. The dev team, once they sometimes struggle, especially new dev teams, that once they accept the sprint backlog, that they have to deliver that sprint backlog. It's There's no project manager there going to be hitting them with a stick going, you got to get this done by a certain date. It's up to the dev team to take on that responsibility. Yeah. That's one very important thing with the dev team. And the other very important thing with the dev team is that nobody, not the scrum master, not the product owner, not a project sponsor, can tell the dev team how to do the work. It's up to the dev team to make that decision. So that, that needs to be clear. Uh, you get a lot of clients, especially uh, sometimes product owners, who want to tell the dev team how to do it. Um, and a good Scrum Master will run interference on that. Good. Well, talking about good Scrum Masters, Dermot, I believe this is your last day with KPMG. Yes, it is. I've had a really great time here, Neil. Great working with you and some fantastic people. I'm moving on to an exciting position with CBA uh, starting next Monday. So really can't wait for it. Good. Bigger and better scrums. Uh, good luck, Dermot. Thanks very much for your contribution here. Thanks, Neil. And let's keep the podcast going. Absolutely. Um, loving these sessions. And yeah, let's get some more. Excellent. Well, thanks, everybody. We'll join you in the next episode.